0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The Mass Casualty Commission report has been making headline news. As an RCMP Nova Scotia superintendent, Darren Campbell makes the case in his notes following the April 18, 2020 mass shootings that RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky attempted to use the investigation into the mass murder to further the Trudeau government's move to declare military assault style firearms illegal by urging the investigating officers to publicly reveal what kinds of guns Workman, the killer had used even though Superintendent Campbell in Nova Scotia told the commissioner that would compromise the investigation that's according to the notes uh, Superintendent Campbell says uh commissioner lucky had promised trudeau and uh, then public safety minister bill blair she would accomplish this so there's a lot of to and fro and give and take about this questions in parliament uh trudeau i don't think trudeau's weighed in he may have Uh, i know bill blair did and i know the commissioner has been heard from and she said she's sorry for the tone she took in a meeting with the nova scotia rcmp crew after the shooting um, I do remember as well at the beginning, or shortly after the, uh, the tragic events, terrible events, Mr. Trudeau wouldn't even promise there would be a public inquiry, so there's a lot of loose ends here. Uh, with me on the program are Scott McLeod. His brother Sean was one of the 22 people murdered by Wortman, and um, also murdered by Wortman was his brother Sean's partner alana jenkins scott thank you uh, Thank you for joining us uh, and the condolences on on your great loss and how are you doing
1: oh thank you for having me i'm um, i'm not doing too bad um, just plugging away with the rest of the rest of the public waiting to to hear the outcomes of different things and trying to figure out what went on on the weekend of uh, april 18th and 19th You've been
0: attending the inquiry, right?
1: Yes, I've, uh, I've attended a, a good number of the uh, the meetings so far.
0: Do you feel that you're getting what you need? And You and I haven't rehearsed these questions. Do you feel like you're getting what you need? Do you think in, the inquiry is covering the territory it has to uh, cover?
1: I myself have gotten a few answers but not, not as much as it's, I think, created some more questions. Just like with this recent, recent outcome here last week, it puts, it puts me in a position of wondering if somebody is not telling the truth, don't know who, couldn't prove who, but it just—it just feels like the way everything is happening, things are being said, and then everybody's saying no and pointing the finger elsewhere. I just—I just like to right from the beginning of this, things can't be changed that did happen, unfortunately. But the people needed information and answers.
0: Okay, I would be remiss, and I don't want to be that. Uh... Please tell us a little about your brother, Sean, and uh, his partner, Alana Jenkins. So we'd yeah, like to get to know them a little bit through you.
1: Uh, very social um, people, both of them. Uh, they had a lot of get-togethers and socialized a lot with all the people in the in the neighborhood through Wentworth. Um Aside from that, Sean Sean also liked to go hunting and fishing a lot. Enjoyed outdoor stuff, but he also took great pride in working and helping his family. Uh, my mother had been dealing with different medical issues throughout the years, and my brother, where he's lives closer than a lot closer than I do, he would. Uh, he would take her to different appointments in Halifax and such forth. Just that was his way of, you know, that was just him. He did did things like that with family.
0: Yeah, because we say 22 people lost their lives, but these were human beings who were living their lives and were contributing to other people's lives. So it's good to know know them a little bit through through your eyes. Paul Polango, investigative journalist, he's a former editor of the Globe and Mail, he's the author of 22 Murders, that's the book that deals with the April 18th um, shootings. You know, there's so many words that come to mind, it's just, it's horrific. Um, And Paul has written four books on the RCMP. This book is particularly challenging to the force. And, uh, Paul, thanks for coming back on the program. What do you make of where we are now, this this last week, and the developments in Ottawa, the uh, Superintendent Campbell's notes and the declarations from uh, the commissioner and the public safety minister? What do you make of all of this?
2: Well, I think, Roy, that what we're seeing is the sort of unraveling in many aspects of what's gone on in this sort of, uh post mortem the the mass casualty investigation we have uh strange things happening here and there. Families are upset. I mean uh, Scott mcleod was likely there when uh Nick Beaton and his mother uh, yelled at the commissioners the other day, and the commissioners told them to sit down and and uh Nick Beaton said, Well, what are you gonna do about it? You know like basically, you're not a judge. we don't believe in what you're doing." And the families are openly saying that there's uh, there's lying going on. They're not getting to the truth, and the revelations about Campbell seem to point out that there are missing parts of uh, evidence, likely uh, being brought forward to the commission.
0: When four pages of his notes were or are now known to have been not presented for months, and those are the notes that are the core of what's going on in Ottawa right now. That is very disturbing. You've had some real questions about this this inquiry from the very beginning. So just bring us up to speed on that again, Paul. Remind us what it is that concerns okay.
2: you. Well, one of the things was from the early on, I was told a number of stories about what was going on, possible things going on about Wartman may having, may having special may have had a special relationship with the police either as an agent or a confidential informant. The I was told that, that evidence was being destroyed and altered. This is back in the summer of 2020. Eventually, I uncovered a four-page document in uh, December of 2020, uh internal RCMP document that was confirmed as valid by the force, and it was a memorandum uh, uh, asking for a moratorium on the destruction of evidence in the Gabriel Wartman case, which is unbelievable and now we're seeing evidence of evidence of gaps and deliberate distortions in in the materials that are being put forward to the commission as well as the commission itself seeming to act hand in glove with the rcmp it's an absolutely bizarre situation
0: it's interesting you say this because i just listened to tim mills for half an hour as did our listeners across the country who was, as you well know, was in charge of the ERT tactical unit, and he has great concerns, which he expressed to us, certainly, about how senior management uh, treated his unit after the, uh, after April the eighteenth. But just taking what you just said to us, Paul, why is this going on? What's the, what's the answer to the most fundamental journalistic question? Why?
2: Well, you have a, a force, a police force, that is ex- just splitting apart. Because uh, although Canadians think of the RCMP of the, as this paragon of a national uh, uh, institution and a symbol of Canada, internally it's an in array. Its management structure is uh, uh, questionable at best. I mean, uh, there's been internal reports that say the force is unsustainable, poorly managed, and can't do the jobs, all the jobs that it's doing, and this. Threat to the force is sort of uh, uh, dangerous. Threat to the force is being defended at all costs by the internal, for- by the force inside the force and and the government itself. So it's 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 a critical situation, and they're they're protecting something. It's quite obvious that something big is being protected. We just don't know what it is.
0: Okay. So if I hear you correctly, and we're going to take a break in a second. What we've been finding out about, over the last week particularly, requires really concentrated investigation. It can't be allowed to slip off to the sidelines and out of sight.
1: Well,
2: that's right. What they're doing, if you look at what happened here at Frank Magazine, where I've written numerous, numerous articles for the last year and a half, we had uh, an application to reveal uh, videotapes showing the police shooting of Wertman because... The, the Mass casualty Commission sat on those videos and would not release them to the public. And we saw from the videos that were leaked to us that the videos did not go with the story the RCMP told on the stand or the uh, police watchdog in their report didn't say, it would ha- didn't say it, it's not backed up by the video. And that video was to be released on Monday, and then this bombshell drops on Monday and makes it go away. So it, to me, there's a little uh, something suspicious going on here.
0: Scott, as you're listening to uh, to Paul talk about what, what he's focusing on, what are the questions that come to mind to you? What were you thinking? What what what's going on in your mind right now as you hear all of this?
1: Um, I just Paul seems to be on a, a fantastic track. Um, he's bringing seems to be bringing things to light. I know it's a lot of people don't like it because he's saying what a lot of people are wondering. And I think it's fantastic to, to hear what Paul has to say. Um, It's just, everything else has been a a hush, hush thing. Uh, Like was mentioned a little while ago about Nick Beaton. Um, We had, there was another statement made one other day and, uh, Nick's mother stood up and clapped and cheered and of course it brought a lot of laughter to the families because something was being brought out that people didn't like and Commissioner McDonald you know he he was quite upset with uh, and told everybody he'll have he'll have decorum in his his room and uh, you know the the people need to be like we have questions, we have to go through our lawyers and they should be trying to answer the questions for people. They talk trauma informed, well they're the only ones that seem to be concerned with their their feelings and how they feel, in my opinion, is the RCMP because it's certainly not being caring to the families when we're we're not allowed to like we don't get to speak um i've heard our questions objected to by lawyers for department of justice and the police federation it's not you know those are questions that we as family members or uh people involved directly i say family members i mean everybody that's been impacted with this because whether you're a physical family who lost somebody or somebody who was uh, involved in any aspect of it that it's impacted in such a way God. we're all a family but we need you know we want we've got questions we'd like to be able to have them asked and answered there there shouldn't be shut the shut these people down we'll let the our cmp and we'll let all the experts speak i think they need to maybe have some of the family who are willing to speak actually be up there and speak would be nice because then it's not just a one-sided piece of information
0: you know what it sounds like it sounds like the victim's impact statements uh during trials where the victims of crime present a victim's impact statement about what the crime the impact the crime has had on them And then the justice system says to the victims, well, your victim's impact statement is too long, or we don't approve of what you've written, so either you edit it or we'll edit it for you. And then they play it for the accused individual before it actually is ever heard by the parole board or in court. So that's the reality with that. Paul, we have about um, two minutes You've been criticized and critiqued for your written assessments of the RCMP. Do you feel some vindication here?
2: Um, yeah, sadly so. I think that uh, uh, much of what I said has come true, and I'm continuing to prove it and will continue to prove more of this. But, you know, before we even go a little farther, I think your audience should understand that, that um, Scott McLeod is a peace officer. He's a corrections officer. His brother was a peace officer, corrections officer. So was Alana Jenkins. So he speak, when he speaks criticizing the RCMP, he's speaking as a peace officer. And I think I that's think important that's, to understand. Right, important. And the second thing that you have to understand about this whole debacle about Campbell and why I said earlier that it's suspicious, his his note-taking and everything is suspicious. And one of the reasons I say that is if you look at the... Four, four of the major uh, well-placed supervisors who should have been in charge of this or who were in charge of this, uh, Chris Leather, the, assist, the 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 chief superintendent, was in charge of criminal operations. Darren Campbell himself was a chief superintendent. Uh, Inspector Poor uh, Rodier, who was in charge of the 911 call center, and... Um, um, The other, Scanlon, Leah Scanlon, who was the civilian in charge of uh, uh,
0: strategic response. I literally have 30 seconds. All
2: four of them were promoted after this. That's the point I was going to make. All four were promoted before the inquiry even took place.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend.